Amen, amen, amen. So God is good. You know, God is, he's so faithful. He's so faithful. He's so, he's so faithful. He's so faithful. So we're going to get right into the word of God this morning. If you need a Bible, just raise your hands. We'll, we'll make sure that you have one. Just raise your hand if you need a Bible. We'll make sure you get one. Hallelujah. But you guys doing good? Yeah? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. God is so beautiful. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. So, you know, we had a great uh, chair aerobics and Zumba class yesterday. It was awesome. So, you know, you guys, if you guys have signed up, make sure that you come, you know, because we're going to, if you don't, we're going to replace you. (laughs) We're going to replace you if you don't come. (laughs) So, for Zumba. Huh? So it is, it's a great class. It's been going really, really well. And, um, you know, take advantage of it, you know, because um, it's, it's really, you know, our, our instructor, she got people sweating up in here. So <laughs> she's been really, how, how about Tawana? She, she got you guys sweating. Jennifer, she got you sweating. <laughs> yeah. Even with the senior chair robes, people were sweating. <laughs> My wife did the chair over. She was like, man, she was like, this is, she's like, this is rough too. <laughs> but no, but it's, it's really, it's really been going well. And um, yeah, you know, you should, if you can, you come, you know. But uh, we're going to get right into the word of God. And, um, you know, God really, he really spoke to me. And um, I'm going to share with you what God gave me. And you know, I've been studying the scriptures, you know. So uh, turning your Bibles, um, Put your fingers on Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to read, you know, just um, quite a few, you know, verses from this scripture. But we're going to begin in verse 25. But let me say this first. I put here, you know, I recently mentioned that my goal as your pastor is to, it's really is to help you get your stuff. Can you say amen? It's to help you get your stuff. My ultimate goal is to help you walk in all of the divine promises and blessings that God has prepared for you. That's my goal. And I put here, it, it, it's to make sure that you don't miss out on God's very best any longer. That's my, that's my goal. I want, I want you to receive everything that Jesus died for you to receive. And, of course, that starts with salvation, which covers the hereafter, as Mother Langley is now enjoying her reward, right? But it also extends to his blessings and favor while you're here on earth. So I don't want you to miss out what God has for you here, you know, because oftentimes people, you know, they they focus on, well, in the sweet by and by, I'll be walking on streets of gold. I got news for you. You know, Jesus said, you know, let, see, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God, ex- ex- God fully expects for you to be able to enjoy heaven right while you're here on earth. So he wants you to experience that. So with that being said, I want to spend some time today kind of just teaching you about the things that can hinder you from reaching, you know, what God really has for you, you know, because it's important, right? You know, knowing what not to do is just as important as knowing what to do. So I want to make sure that you know what not to do, and then you focus on what you, what you got to do. So first of all, let me talk about, see, the process. This is the process, you know. If you want to look at what our Christian walk should be like, right, you should always start with the beginning. Go back, right? 
see first of all how God intended things to be. All right, you start there. So in the, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, you know, when he recreated the heaven, the earth, the Bible says that when he took man, he began to speak blessings over his life. He didn't curse him. He began to speak blessings over his life. And he said, you know, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it. And with those words, he empowered him to be able to prosper, to flourish, and to be successful. And, you know, the good news is, you know, when God created man, you know, he didn't, he didn't put him in a ghetto. He put him in a beautiful garden. He put him in a paradise. That's what Eden means. It was a paradise. He, I mean, he, he, he had everything that he needed at his disposal. Now, he gave it up through disobedience. But when God, what God intended for it to happen was to, for him to have everything at his disposal, for him to walk in God's divine blessings and then also to walk in divine fellowship with him. The Bible says that he communicated with God, walk in the, in, the, in the cool of the day. Here he is walking with God, speaking with him, communing with him. And he has unbroken fellowship and relationship with God, and he also has everything that he can possibly ever want to have. The only thing that God told him was, just don't eat from that tree that's in the middle of the garden. Everything else you can have. But you know, isn't, just like, isn't it just like us? The, we want the one thing that we can't have. <laughs> you know, God blessed David like crazy. You know what I mean? He blessed him like crazy. Man. Gave him everything he could ever want. Made him king. You know, he was, he was I mean, he was rich. You know, he had not just one wife. He had beautiful wives, you know. I mean, he was, he, but he wanted the one thing he couldn't have, somebody else's wife. <laughs> you, know, you always want the one thing you can't have. You know what I'm saying? And, and, but that causes you to forfeit all of the beautiful things that God wants you to have. So the bottom line is God never tells you not to do something because he wants to keep something away from you. He tells you not to do it because he doesn't want it to become something that will curse you. So if you look back at the beginning, if you really look at, if you look at Israel in the wilderness, you will get a glimpse of how our walk with God should be like, right? So in order to fix what Adam lost for us, God had to institute a plan. He had to put a plan in place for deliverance and for a reconnection, right? And that's the whole purpose of Jesus, right? But the picture of that is what we see in the wilderness, right? We see them come out of Egypt, and then they begin to walk through this wilderness, which led them to the promised land. So that is the process that we go through as Christians, right? We come out of Egypt. Egypt in the Bible is symbolic of the world. The Pharaoh is symbolic of Satan, right, who's the oppressor. You know, the Egyptians were, that's symbolic of his demonic forces that oppress people. You know what I'm saying? So they oppressed Israel, but then God delivered them. You get delivered when you give your life to Jesus, right? You get saved, now you come out of Egypt, or you come out of the world. You come out of, from under the thumb of the devil, right? He brings you out, right? So you stand up here, you give your life to Jesus, and automatically you've been converted from the kingdom of darkness into, the, into his marvelous light. You come into the kingdom of heaven, you know. 
and you become a son or a daughter, right? He brings you out of Egypt, and now, but now you got to go through a wilderness. Now, that wilderness is symbolic of the process because we have to go through a process. See, we've been in the world for so long that we act. doesn't matter. You give your life to Jesus, you know, today, like, let's say somebody gets saved. I mean, automatically, they become a son or a daughter of the king. But that don't mean you know how to operate in the kingdom. You come out, you still operate like the world does. You know, nothing, nothing changes, you know, in the physical or in the emotional realm. So in other words, you don't come up and look different. You know, you look in the mirror, you still look the same. Now, something on the inside has happened. You know, you've been reconnected to God. You've been reconciled, right? You've been put back in right relationship with God. You are now his son or his daughter. So that has changed. But you still got the same thoughts. Your thoughts don't change. If you can't come inside here, you give your life to Jesus today, and you always curse, you'll walk out of here, you'll probably still be cursing. You know what I'm saying? If you was, if you was messing around with women, you might still be wanting to mess around with women or men or whatever, you know. Because, you know, the only thing that has changed is that on the inside, you had an experience with him, but now you have to start learning how to operate in the kingdom. And see, that's what Israel had to do. They were in Egypt for so long that they began to get accustomed to Egypt. That's why they always wanted to run back. Because even though they were oppressed, at least, at least they understood what was happening to them. At least they were familiar with what was going on. So you always run, when you, whenever you, something starts happening, you always want to run back to what's familiar to you. So now God brings them out into the wilderness and a lot of that time in the wilderness was to begin to teach them how to function in the kingdom. He said, okay, these are my laws. He gave them the Ten Commandments, right? He gave, then he gave them laws. He said, see, these are the things. If you do these things, I'll bless you, right? If you don't and you start doing your own thing, you're going to walk in the curse. He taught them how to worship him, right? He erected a tabernacle. He said, I want to dwell in the midst of you. So he, he, they built a tabernacle so God could be in the middle of them. So that he can, and that talks about, you know, constant, having constant relationship and fellowship with him. He taught them how to worship him, how to praise him, how to spend time with him on a regular basis. See, that's the, that's the process. God, see, while you're in your wilderness, God will begin to teach you. And that's why you got to come. That's why you should come to church, right? So you can learn how to walk with God. And then you spend your own time with God, right? So then you learn, you know, this is acceptable. This is not acceptable, right? If you do these things, God will bless you. If you don't, you're going to open. God's not going to curse you. You're going to open the door to the curse. You understand? God don't curse you. But which, what happens is God's hands of protection, he can't protect you when you, when you come from under, there, under it. That's why the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. His hand is here. But you can walk from underneath it. You can say, I don't want that hand. I want to do my own thing. And God won't force you to serve him. So, you know, he said, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and I'll exalt you in due, in due time. I'll bless you, right? But you can say, I want to do my own thing. I don't want to be humbled under the mighty hand of God. I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> and what you do is you move from underneath God's hand of provision, blessings, favor, and protection, and you begin to walk on the wild side, and you open up yourself to the devil to be able to do his thing to you. And that's the curse. You understand? 
So through this process in this wilderness, God is teaching you. This is acceptable. This is not acceptable. This will cause the blessing. This will open the door to the curse, right? This is how you worship. This is how you praise me. This is how you get into my presence. This is how you spend time with me, right? All of you guys are learning these things while you're here, right? Now, this is what I wanted to get to because the longer that it takes for you to submit yourself to that will determine how long you'll spend time in that wilderness, See, because, you know, again, if we're looking at Israel as the model, right? I'm going to give you a scripture. I, I put this as a question, right? How long will it take for you to enter your promised land, right? As long as it takes for you to go through the process. Now, in Deuteronomy 1-2, this is one of my, my favorite scriptures because it, it, it says a lot. It says a lot. But it says in the Amplified Version, it is only 11 days journey from Oreb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea or Canaan's border. Yet Israel took 40 years to get beyond it. See that, see that says a lot. You know what that tells me? That tells me that your process is not up to God. It's, it's up to us. Right? We determine how long we stay in that wilderness. Because, you know, the, the school of God or the school of the spirit is not like a natural school. See, a natural school, you know, if, uh, you know, you may not be doing your work, right? But I also don't like you. So, you know, I'm not going to keep you back because I don't want to see you next year. <laughs> you know, you're... You know, you're a pain in my butt. You know, you're always, you know, talking back, stuff like that. So I may not, I'm not going to pass you because you deserve to be passed. I'm just going to get you out of my class. I just got to get you out of here, man. <laughs> so I'll just send you to the next grade, right? Now you ain't learned nothing, right? You go to the next grade, you know, <laughs> you all, you know, you, you didn't learn two plus two. Now they want to teach you two times two, you know? So it's like, <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> so. But, but, but they don't, but they just kind of push you on. You know what I'm saying? The school of the spirit is not like that. God just don't graduate you <laughs> just because. You know, you're going to learn every lesson. And if you don't pass those classes, you're going to stay back. I know in high school, I probably should have stayed back. <laughs> they passed me on, man. I, I, I skipped school 52 times. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'll never forget it, man. You know, me and my friend, we walking to school. And uh, <laughs> I went to Orange High, you know. So we walk, we walk to school. We'd be halfway. Like, we hit Main Street. And be like, man, I don't feel like going to school today. <laughs> and, and he'd be like, me neither. <laughs> so we would get on the 72. Was it the 72? 72 bus. I think it was the 72. And it took us all the way to, to Livingston Mall. Was it the 72? Was it the 20? It was the 72, I think. But anyway, I got on the bus. we get on the bus, go all the way to Livingston Mall. But see, back then, see, I'm dating myself. Back then, Livingston Mall had an arcade. <laughs> and we would spend all day in the arcade. <laughs> I skipped school 52 times, man. And I still passed. <laughs> yeah, like, now, I was, you know, I was, you know, I, I never really did my homework. 
But, you know, when the test came, I, you know, I was fairly smart, so I was able to, you know, pass tests and stuff like that. You know, and then I was a, I was a real, I've always had the gift of gab. <laughs> so, so, so my teachers always loved me. Like, I was never disrespectful. Like, I was real, like, you know, good to my teachers, right? So they just wouldn't, they wouldn't, they would just pass me, you know? So, but I shouldn't have. You get what I'm saying? Like, but in the spirit, if you shouldn't pass, you ain't. <laughs> God ain't got no problem with keeping you back. <laughs> you could be, you'll be, if you mess around with God, you'll be 20 years old in the fifth grade. <laughs> You know, that's why, you know, some people, you know, they oh, I've been walking with God for 30 years. But they, but they never, you know, matured spiritually. They're older. <laughs> Just because you're older in the natural doesn't mean that you're mature in the spirit. You know, you got people, man, been walking with God 30 years, still can't forgive people. They ain't never learned forgiveness. You know, they ain't never learned it, you know. And so that, that holds them back. Because God said, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. So don't think you're going to get blessed if you ain't forgiven. You know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't do your thing and think that you're still going to be walking in God's blessings. So anyway, you know, your process will take as long as you take to get it. You keep disobeying God. You don't have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So I don't care how much you love him. If you don't have faith, you can't please him. And I don't care how much God loves you. Because God loves everybody the same, equally. But that doesn't mean he's pleased with everybody. You can have children that you love. You You know, you love all your children. But some of them please you more. You know what I'm saying? Some of if they if they're not doing right, you know what I'm saying? You love them, but you're not pleased. And, and the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please. I, I can't, I'm not pleased with you. I love you with all my heart. So much so that I gave my only son. So that you can, so that you can live, so that you will not perish. You know what I'm saying? But I'm not pleased with what you're doing. When you do your thing, I'm not pleased. When you sin, I'm not pleased. When you don't have faith, I'm not pleased. I love you, but not pleased. And again, don't think that you're going to be, you know, entering into a promised land and he ain't pleased. So we do things oftentimes that hold us back. Right. Does that make sense? All right. So let me get into this. You know, uh, I'm like all over the place with this thing. But uh, you guys are getting this right. You guys understand. So here they are walking in the wilderness. And, you know, and God is teaching. It's only 11 days journey. Right? It only took 11 days to get from Egypt to the borders of the promised land. 11 days. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But in that time, of course, God has to teach him some things. He said, okay, you know, let me give you my loss. Right? But think about it like this. It probably, if you, if you do a study, it probably took them less than a year to receive the lessons that God was trying to give them. Okay? So from, from them leaving Egypt to, you know, God giving them the commandments, giving them the laws through Moses, erecting the tabernacle, doing all of these different things, right? You know, teaching them, you know, how to trust them. See, the whole, everything that God did was for a purpose. Manna. When God gave them bread from heaven, that was for a purpose. The purpose for that 
it's found, he, he says it in the Old Testament, but it's, it's revealed again in the New Testament. And that is the principle that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You don't live by bread. Stop trusting in what you can see. God told him every day, I'm going to rain bread on you. And that was a test. That was to teach them to trust him. Because he said, I'm going to, for, for, you know, on the Sabbath day, I'm not raining bread on you. Because I don't want you to work on the Sabbath. You're going to receive bread every day but the Sabbath. He said, the day before the Sabbath, you're going to gather two times as much. Because it's going to cover for that day and the Sabbath day. Because I don't want you going out on the Sabbath. I don't want you working. So, of course, people are going to do their own thing. So God says to them, don't, don't try to keep any for the next day. Because I'm going to rain on you every day. So you get some people that took more too much and they ate it and then they tried to hold some of it to the next day. Just in case, just in case God don't rain it tomorrow. <laughs> and guess what happened to it? It bred worms and it began to stink in their houses. Spoiled on them. So then, the day before the Sabbath, he says, okay, now today you gather two, two times as much, and it won't rot. And there's still some people, they went, out, they went out on the Sabbath day, trying to find bread, you know, and they want no bread. See, all of this is training. God is trying to teach them, obey my voice. I'm here to provide for you. See, God teaches us his, teaches us his provision in the wilderness. That's how we learn to begin to trust God. See, that's why you go through things and it's like you're, you got your back up against the wall. And it's like, how, the, how in the world am I going to pay that? How am I going to get through this? God is trying to teach you, trust me, I'm going to get you through it. Stop, stop, stop worrying about how you're going to get through it. I'm going to get you through it. See, that's the lesson that you learn in the wilderness. You learn how to begin to trust God for what you don't know and don't understand. You know, he puts you in impossible situations, and then he gets you through them. Or he allows you to go through these difficult situations and impossible situations, and you're like, how in the world am I going to get through? God, that's how. I'm going to get you through it. Stop worrying about the situation. I got you. See, that's the lesson that you learn in the wilderness, right? They, they, they're hungry. You know, we don't have anything to eat. Well, God gave them bread. He gave them quail meat. We don't have nothing to drink. God has a, a rock that goes with them. And that rock begins to gush out water. Supernatural provision. See, that's, that's when things happen for you. You can't explain it. Like, I don't know how I'm, I don't make enough to pay all my bills. How am I making it every month? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't explain, like, how you're making it. See, those are the miraculous things that God does for you to teach you, trust me. See, and we have to learn these lessons because, you know, when you get into your promised land, if you don't learn those lessons, you'll forget about God. So God says, I'm going to teach you these lessons while you're walking through this wilderness. All right, so now let me, let me get into this thing. So now, right, here they are. I ain't really getting to my message yet. Can you believe that? But anyway, <laughs> here he is. After traveling in the wilderness, right, from Egypt to Canaan, right, the Israelites finally, they arrive at the promised land. This is about a, almost a year goes by, right? 
Now, the land that, you know, God told them was flowing with milk and honey, right? This was the promised land. They finally make it, right? So what happens is Moses sends out 12 individuals to spy out the land. They were to go in there, check the land out, bring back fruit, and let people know, you know, what they saw while they were there, right? That was their goal. So 12 people go do that. That's where we pick this up at. Numbers 13, 25. All right, you guys ready to go through the scriptures? Now, there's a lot here. So I'm going to try my best to, you know, really break this down as I'm reading it, okay? So Numbers 13, 25. Now, I'm reading in the Amplified Version, and I'm going to read 25 through 33, right? So it says, now, this, now they've been spying out the land, checking it out. Now they come back. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days, they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh and brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and they showed them the land's fruit. They reported to Moses and said, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is the fruit, but, I'm going to stop right there, but, so you know, my, my pastor always says, you know, you have a big butt. See, that's the problem with most people. They got a big butt. Whenever the word but follows a positive statement, a negative statement is coming after it. <laughs> and I put here, let's make one thing clear. When it comes to the promises of God, there can be no buts. There's nothing too hard for God. That means that there's nothing too hard for you. If you stay connected to God and if you get rid of the buts of life, you'll be it, begin to walk into God's promises. See, stop having all of these buts. I know I need to go back to school, but, you know, I want to start this business, but, <laughs> see, you got a big butt, man. <laughs> Woman says, what'd you say, Pastor? <laughs> So you got a big butt, man. You're just like, you know, every time, you know, yeah, you know, I know I should be doing that, but, you know, I know I need to go to church, but I know I need to give my offerings, but, you know, there's always a but after the end of a positive statement. See, that's the, that's one of the things that will keep you out of the promised land, the buts of life. The buts. I, I would, you would be able to do it, but you would try, you would try it, but you failed last time. See, these are the things that stop you. Those buts stop you. Why, why, why are you not, why are you not doing that? Well, I would, but. You know. And that's what they said. See? The land, the land is just like God said. My God, man, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. They said that the, they say that, you know, if you read the scriptures, they say that they grabbed the fruit, grapes, and they carried them between two poles. That's how big the grapes were. 
I mean, this land was something else, man. And they go check this land out. It's, oh, it's awesome. It's exactly what God said. But. But what? They said, but the people. <laughs> but the people. Right? How many of you missed out on God's best because of people? See, that's what most of our problem is. Other people. People that say you can't do it. People that say that it's too hard. Stop listening to people that don't have anything positive to say. You know, but the people. You know, I was going to try that, you know, but so-and-so said, you know, they tried to do it and didn't work for them. So what? Who cares that it didn't work for them? Don't you know you got God on your side? Who cares? You know, I was going to go back to school, but so-and-so said, well, how you going to go to school when you got kids? You working a full-time job. How you going to go to school? How you going to start a business? That's what they said to me, the people. But the people. Stop listening to goofy people. That's most of your problems. You got too many goofy friends. You know what I learned about people? I'm going to say this, you know. I'll be very honest with you. No, no, no. I'm going to say this. You know what I learned about people? Most people are satisfied with being mediocre. Most people are all right with being average. You know, they don't want to be great. They're all right with just kind of getting by. They're all right with that. So if you want to be great, you can't hang around average people or people that have an average mentality. People that have a mediocre mentality. They don't want to be great. They just, they're, they're all right with just kind of, you know, doing what they're doing, just scratching, getting by. You know, they're all right with that. They, they, they don't want to do nothing great. If you want to do something great and you got mediocre people around you, they will convince you to not do anything great. They'll always tell you, of course it's hard. If it was easy, everybody would be great. You know what I'm saying? If it was easy to be exceptional, everybody would be exceptional. But most people are just mediocre at best. And I'm not saying that they're less people. I'm just saying that that's their mindset. You know what I'm saying? Their mindset is down here. And in order for you to get up here, you have to start hanging around people that think up here. You know, I, I always tell people, you know, if, if, I, if, I, if I could see your friends, I know how far you go in life. Let me see your friends. Let me see who you hang around. That's as far as you're going. You ain't going no further than that. All right, you guys don't like my message. I'm just going to keep on going. But they said, but the people, but the people who live in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified. They're walled and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. Now, the Anakims are the giants. They are men of great stature. See, I put here, see, this is the problem with people, you know. They spend too much time focusing on the difficulty of the task. Now, let me be very clear about something to you. See, I'm not holding no, I'm not, hold, pulling, not, not pulling no punches, right? This will help you throughout the rest of your Christian walk what I'm about to say to you right now. 
That is the fact that God will never give you a task that you can complete without him. Never. Therefore, the task will always be too hard for you. There will always be giants and there will always be walled cities. Why? Because God gives you impossible tasks so you can learn to trust him. So if you can complete the task without God, the task did not come from God. That's going to help you right there. Because most of you won't do something because it's too hard. <laughs> it's too much work. Too, I got to do too much. I need to do something easier, you know. Easier will lead you to mediocrity. Anything, anything that's easy, everybody can do it. That's why you don't need to be great to do mediocre tasks. You know, they talk about, you know, oh, well, you know, now I may get in, may, may get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it. You know, oh, we think, you know, McDonald's workers, you know, should get paid with all these other people are making, right? They shouldn't get minimum wage. They should get, you know, all of this big salary. Well, it's a mediocre job that anybody can do. It's a job that was created to teach high school students how to work a job. You know what I'm saying? And so if we pay, so I'm supposed to, so an accountant I went to school, you know, you don't even need a high school diploma to get it to work at McDonald's. So you're going, they went to high school, college, got degrees, certifications, all this stuff. Now I'm supposed to pay you what I'm paying this person that them paid the price and got all this certification, all these degrees, and all this stuff to be able to, to do what they do. No, that's not how it works. You don't get rewarded for mediocrity. Now, you may not like that. You may get mad at that. But it's the truth. You don't get rewarded for being mediocre. You don't get to make what, what, what a doctor makes or what a lawyer makes if you're not doing something that is at that level. The harder it is to do, the more it's gonna, you're going to be able to make. That doesn't mean everybody got to be a doctor or a lawyer or anything like that. There's, 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 you know, everybody has a skill set. Some people are good with their hands, man. You know, some people like a young man here, is, you know, he's, he's into uh, construction. You can make $100,000 a year doing construction. Plumber, electrician, you can make $100,000 a year. You find your gift and you flow with that. But if you just want something to do something mediocre, something to just pay the bills, that's all you're going to make. Just something to pay the bills. And oftentimes, not even do that. All right, now people are not happy with me no more. If you, can't complete, if you can complete the task without God, he ain't give it to you. Because he's going to give you a task that's greater than you. So you can begin to pray and seek him and find out, I need your help. Man, I would have things to do when I was, you know, I was, I was like, God, I just, 
I'm in trouble. I don't know what to do, you know. And then, I mean, I would be praying, getting into his presence. He'd give me an answer. And I would go there and start doing it and it would work. People think I'm real smart. <laughs> but I'm just listening to God. I'm smart enough to know that I don't know everything. I'm smart enough to know I need God. I'm smart enough to know I need direction from him, for him to give me wisdom how to complete the task. That's what I'm smart enough to do. So if God gives you a task, it's going to always be greater than you. And that's why, you know, here they say, but the people. We saw the children of Anak there. The giants were there. We saw these big walled cities. How in the world are we going to defeat them? You can't by yourself. Because he's not giving you a task to do by yourself. Or he's saying, trust me. Let me move on. So they go on to say, you know, the people that descended from Amalek live in the land of the Najib or the south country. The Hittite, the Jebusite, and the Amorite live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the Dead Sea along the uh, side of the Jordan. Then I love this. Then Caleb. I like Caleb. You know what Caleb means in the Hebrew? Attack dog. I love it. His name means attack dog. The Bible says, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession of it. For we are, we will certainly conquer it. I love that. See, all these people like, yeah, you know, exactly it was a land flowing milk and honey. But, you know, the giants are there. And, you know, and then Caleb says, so what? Let's go up at once. And let's take it. Let us go up at once and take possession of it. For we will certainly conquer. I love that. See, I put here, see, the Caleb spirit is a fighting spirit. Again, his name means attack dog. If God says fight, he's ready to fight. See, most Christians don't want to fight in the spirit. That is. See, they, they don't mind fighting in the natural. You know, cursing somebody out, you know. <laughs> they don't mind doing that stuff, you know. They don't mind that. <laughs> see that's easy you know we're familiar with that see I said you know we go back to the familiar we familiar with curse somebody out you know like you know I'm gonna tell them I'm gonna tell them you know they, they see we're used to that we used to fit fighting and all that other stuff we, we can do that you know we can give them yeah there you go we give them a piece of our mind right so we ain't got nothing left we can we can do all that <laughs> but if you want your stuff you have to become a warrior in the spirit. You must be willing to fight for what belongs to you because the devil is not going to just hand it over to you. <laughs> You'll always have to face and defeat giants. So you better get used to fighting for your stuff or you will never get your stuff. If you're a coward in the spirit, you're afraid of the devil, you'll never get your stuff. If every time he throws a punch at you, you go down and you don't get back up, you'll never get your stuff. It's all right to get knocked, you know, to get hit, get knocked down, you know, as long as you get back up. If you can't take a hit from the devil and get back up, you'll never get your stuff. And, you know, where, so, you know, see, I need to know where my, where my Caleb's are at. See, because you better learn to be a Caleb and get some friends named Caleb too. 
See, get rid of the goofy friends and put some Caleb's on your team. Some people that, you know, when you're, when you say, yeah, you know, I'm about to, you know, I was thinking about starting this, but yeah, you need to start that business. How can I help you, you know? What can I do to help you? See, see yeah, you go for it. You know, see, that's what the Caleb spirit does, you know? That, oh, that sounds awesome. I want to go back to school. That sounds like the right idea. Go for it. You know, not, oh, you know, but, you know, but, you know. <laughs> See, if you get a friend that says, but, you know, I mean, as soon as they say, but, just hang up on them. <laughs> Click, you know, what? <laughs> I don't want to hear what's coming after that, but. If you ain't ready to encourage and all you got is buts, I'm getting off the phone with you. You know what I'm saying? You need to have Caleb's on your team. People that's encouraging you. People that's ready to fight with you. You know what I'm saying? You need somebody that, well, you know, what's going on? What, what you say? What's going down? The devil is doing what? Come on, let's pray. Let's break the power of the devil. You know what I'm saying? Now, oh, really? He's doing that? Oh, my God. You know. <laughs> He's been kicking my butt, too. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I don't need nobody on my team like that. <laughs> I need somebody that's ready to, ready to get. You know, my wife got friends, man. You know, they start, you know, we're going to go through this, that, and the other thing. But like, come on, let's fast. Let's fast and let's pray. My wife told him, come on, let's get a, let's get a, uh, let's get on a, let's get a, a conference call going. We're going to pray. Get on the phone with three or four of their friends praying. All your friends want to complain. All your friends saying, woe is me. All your, all your friends are talking about, you know, oh, you know, it's so hard. It's so rough. Ain't nobody praying. It's easy to complain. It's easy to worry. You know what I'm saying? But it don't help. And I always say if worry help, you know, I will cancel Thursday night Bible study, and we do a Thursday night worry service. We all come inside here and just be like, oh, with our heads hanging low, you know. <laughs> we all be crying, you know, like, you know, what's wrong, brother? Oh, man, the devil just tearing me up. Yeah, me too, you know. <laughs> we all testify about worries, you know, all testify about our problems. <laughs> just giving the disglorify. When you, when you, when you. Testify your problems, you, you empower the devil. You strengthen him. Just like your praise glorifies God, your problems just glorify the devil. You know, start talking about it. If you ain't going to talk about it, to say, well, let me tell you what's happening so you can pray. You know, let me tell you what's going on, then me and, me and you need to pray. If that ain't the purpose, if your purpose is so they can feel sorry for you, See, most, people's, most people won't tell you their problems because they want you to feel sorry for them. It's not because they want you to pray for them. They want you to feel sorry for them. You know, because, you know, uh, misery loves company. <laughs> so, you know, so I'm throwing a pity party, and I'm inviting all my friends. You know, like, we're going to, you know, so we sit around, and here we are drinking wine. And we're talking about, you know, everything, all this worry, everything that's going down, everything that's wrong in our lives. No solutions. 
no solutions, just, just problems and worry. That's it. And we just glorify the devil all night while we drinking our wine. You know? I, know, I know you don't, I mean, you know. <laughs> I, I tell the truth, you know. That's what happens, man. I watch these movies, man. That's what I be seeing. They be sitting around drinking wine, you know, talking about. Yeah, you know, oh, man, my job, this happened, you know, this stuff, thing happening, you know. No, 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 no solutions. All right, let me move on, man. I got to keep on moving, man, because I got to close. <laughs> now, here it is, Caleb. I mean, he's talking about let us go up at once. We're going to be able to take these land. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against these people. <laughs> we, ain't, we, we are not able, for they are too strong for us. <laughs> See, again, I'll, put th I'll say this. What they said was not actually a false statement. They were correct. The enemy was too strong for them. And I'll say this. Your enemy is too strong for you. <laughs> but thank God that you don't have to fight your enemy alone. See, what they didn't remember is that God was fighting with them and that he was fighting for them. All they had to do was trust them. And I put, never forget that you're not in a battle alone. God is with you. And since he can't be defeated, neither can you. See, wrong friends, we are not able to go up against them. <laughs> they are too strong for us. See, again, wrong friends. You, uh, you know, if, if I think that 90% of most problems, people's problems, are the company that they keep. The people that they have in their inner circle. I had a friend, you know, that was my best friend from uh, youth. Best friend, man. Me and him were my, my road dog, man. We did everything together. And we were crazy, you know. I did all these crazy things, man. One day... We had stole all these cars, and uh, we had the whole street lined up with cars we stole. We was crazy, man. You know, like. So anyway, you know, we I was like 14 years old, man. You know. So anyway, I was crazy, man. I drove a stolen car to, to high school. <laughs> I was crazy, man. You know. So anyway, you know, he goes to jail, and I start saying, you know what, man? I need to stop this stuff, man. I need to stop doing all this crazy stuff, man. I want to be in jail, too, you know, so. I spent one night in prison, man. That was it for me, man. I was like, that's it. <laughs> i never forget it, man. I was in this cell, man. They had this, it was a table. It wasn't no bed. It was a table. And they, I, they gave me no covers, no nothing. It was freezing cold in there, man. No pillow, no nothing. A stinky toilet in the corner, you know. And I was laying on this table all night. I was shivering, man, laying on this table. And um, I'm sitting there in the morning, you know, I start freaking out, you know, because I'm behind these bars, you know. And, uh, and I'm like, y'all ain't even let me call, you know, make a phone call, you know. I'm shaking the bars, you know, I'm screaming, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, they came and brought me uh, breakfast, you know. And, man, it was the nastiest egg sandwich I ever had in my life. <laughs> I never like a poached egg or something. It was like the nastiest thing I ever put in my mouth, man. I mean, it was horrible. And I started thinking, this is what your life is going to be. You keep messing around, you know. So I said, that's it, man. I got out of play. I said, God, if you deliver me from this thing, 
I said, I promise you, you know, I was, I was selling drugs at the time, man. I was crazy. I said, God, never, I'll never sell no more drugs again. I said, you know, I mean, I was like, <laughs> I was pleading with God, you know. <laughs> I mean, pleading, you know. So anyway, my friend, you know, he goes to jail. He comes back. And he said, God, man, I said, man, I'm done. I'm stopped messing around with this stuff, man. I'm stopped, stopped doing all this crazy stuff. I said, okay, man, that's good, you know. Then little by little. And now I'm stopping hanging around with him. I ain't even hanging around with him no more, man. He was bad news, you know. He was my friend, but he was bad news. So anyway, I look over there, you know, next door, and he get all of these knuckleheads come over to his house. Every day he's sitting on the porch with these knuckleheads. Every day. And so he said, I'm not messing around. I'm done. I'm not messing around no more. Little by little. The wrong, hanging around the wrong people. Next thing you know, what happened to him? He's in jail again. And he spent most of his adult life in and out of prison. Because every time he would come out, I mean, he, his mind, he, would, he would say, I'm not, I'm done. I'm not doing that. But he was hanging around the wrong people. He literally, he had to move. He moved to Ohio. <laughs> so he could get himself from around being around wrong people. Crazy, man. You ain't got to move to Ohio. Just get rid of the wrong people. And 90% of people's problems is they just cannot turn loose. They're, oh, they're my friends. They're my friends, you know. But they're wrong people. And that doesn't mean you don't love them anymore. That don't mean you can't pray for them anymore. That don't even mean you can't talk to them. But I'm not hanging around you. I don't want you to influence, influence me. You know, the Bible says that evil communications corrupt your good manners. You start hanging around evil people and you start dealing with all of that stuff, eventually it's going to affect you. It's going to corrupt you. So they got these people, you know, and they say, we're not able to go up against these people. They're too strong for us. And the Bible says, so they gave the Israelites a bad report about the land which they spied out. Now, again, be careful who you receive information from. If you have Caleb's on your team, you'll always be encouraged to do the impossible. But if you have these guys on your teams, they'll convince you that you're not able to accomplish your goal. And I put here, one of the best things that you can do this year is to begin to sort through your friends. Keep the Caleb's and Joshua's and kick out the ones that have negative, defeated attitudes. If you don't have Caleb's and Joshua's in your crew, find them. Put them in your crew. And I put here, I'd rather have one Caleb or Joshua as a friend than have 10 friends that keep telling me why I can't do something great. But I don't have no friends. So what? If all of them are, are telling you you can't do something, so what? I'd rather be by myself. Just give me one good one that, that can encourage me. Get rid, I get rid of everybody. I don't, need no, I don't need no more of them. And if I can't find one, I just be by myself till I find one. <laughs> I don't need that. So the Bible says I got to move. So the Bible says, so they gave the Israelites a bad report, saying the land through which we went and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. <laughs> they said that land eats people up. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the Nephilim, 
They're the sons of Anak. They're also a part of the giants, right? And we were like, now I want you to understand, I want you to hear this. When they saw the giants, they said, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Be careful how you view yourself. You'll only be able to go as far as you can see. If you can't see success, you'll never have success. Never forget this. You'll never be able to get past your personal image of yourself. If you see yourself as a grasshopper or a small and insignificant thing, you'll never win. In order for you to win this year, you must see yourself winning. See, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. When we saw what we had to face, we, we, were, we said we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And he go on to say, and so we were in their eyes. <laughs> See, this wrong assumption is what cost them 40 years of misery in the wilderness. When they saw the giants, when they saw the walled cities, when they started seeing all of the obstacles that they had to go to, through to get to the promised land, they said, we, we, we can't do it. And I'm going to get into this later, but they wound up saying, you know what? Why'd you bring us out of Egypt? <laughs> because there was no, you know, we, you know, you brought us out into this wilderness to kill us, you know? And they tried to appoint a captain to take them back to Egypt. Just forget about Moses, man. He leading us, he leading us into this direction with these giants. We're going to find us somebody that can lead us back to Egypt. They were ready, they were willing and ready to go back to slavery than to face with God the giants of the land. I'm going to close right there. I have to, I got so much more left, but I got to close. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up on this. I'm going to pick up on this next week. But I want you to understand, you know. See, again, I want you to, I don't want you to miss out on God's best for your life. I don't, want, I don't want you to miss out on it. And see, you allowing obstacles that are in your way, giants that are in the land, you know, things that look like they're too difficult. You can let those things overcome your mind and make you think things that are not true. See, I'm a grasshopper in my own sight. When I look at what I have to fight, I'm a, I look like a grasshopper to myself. See, the issue was they were comparing themselves with the enemy. So you'll always be ready to fail if you, you compare yourself to what you got to battle. See, their issue was they didn't compare their God to the enemy. See, because to, because to God, they were the grasshoppers. So we're going to close here. Lift your hands to Jesus. Let's get ready to close. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for speaking to each and every one of us. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that your people receive this word today. I'm praying, Father, in Jesus' name, that we will not allow obstacles. We will not allow giants, walled cities.
things that are in our way that are too big for us to discourage us because of the fact that even though they're too big for us, they're not too big for you. We may not be able to do it without you, but with you, we can do all things through Christ who daily infuses us with inner strength. So grant us the grace to stop focusing on our abilities and our strength and our size and what we can do. That doesn't matter because we have you and you give us the edge. You give us the advantage in life. Because we have you, there is no enemy. There's no foe that can stand in our way and stop us. So, Father, we just thank you again for your word. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, and this word, it just is it's, it's sown deep into the heart of your people today that they will receive everything that you said. And for it, Father, we bless you. We give you all the praise, the glory. We give you honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, come on, let's just give Jesus a praise here. Amen, amen, amen. Now, if you're here today, before we close you don't know Jesus and you want to give your life to Jesus today or if you're backslidden and you know you are and you want to get yourself right with Jesus again if that's you I'm just going to ask you to stand on your feet I want to pray for you that's all just want to simply pray for you if that's you I'll also give an opportunity to anybody that's watching us on Facebook or that's listening to our podcast I want to pray with you guys today so I want everybody to repeat after me if you're, if you're here or you're there, repeat after me. I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead to make me right with God. Now, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your sacrifice of this, your son, Jesus. Come into my heart. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let's just give God a praise. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God.